0: Hello everybody, this is Andrew Gamson with the Speaking For Him podcast. Very grateful to be with you on another wonderful Friday. I wanted to ask you a question right out of the gate here on the podcast, and that is, what day is it that you most often listen to podcasts? I've been toying with the idea of changing the day that I release my show. I kind of like being a lead into the weekend for people, but I really would like to get some feedback, so make sure that you hit up the contact information at the end of the show just to let me know what your feelings are about that particular issue and we have a great show planned for today Um, we want to talk about continuing our conversation about the I am statements of Christ it's so important as followers of Christ that we understand who Jesus said he is it's not important who the world says he is. It's important who he said he is and that we know that he is consistent to everything he says. God said, I am God and I lie not. Um, So when Jesus said before Abraham was, I am, he was most definitely um, claiming deity and we can rest assured that his deity makes him uh, adequate to the task of redeeming us. And without that redemption, speaking for him, would not exist. So I'm so thankful that Jesus is who he says he is, and that's what I'm rejoicing in today, even with the uncertainty of all that we are facing. So I want to share with you a little bit right now about what's going on. All right, so this new What's Going On segment is going to be like personal news and observations from the world around me. Now that I am doing the podcast here at home, I can do a little bit more of that because I'm not um, restricted to doing two or three shows at a time, and thus sometimes being irrelevant or sometimes even dating myself. So today I want to reflect on a couple different things. First of all, I want to talk about this ongoing pandemic situation. We're all living through it. We're all struggling through it. We're all trying to do our best with what we've been given. Um, and the first thing I want to do is can I ask you to pray for master arts theater? Um, master arts theater has existed since 1985 to bring, um, Christian and wholesome entertainment to the theater world and to honor Jesus Christ within That place and Grand Rapids, the greater Grand Rapids area, the West Michigan area has been known for excellent community theater throughout um, the years. And there's actually, I think, 12 or 13 um, community theaters in Grand Rapids right now. Um, Every time I turn around, it seems like I discover another one. So I'm not sure what the exact number is, but the arts is really struggling right now because we're not able to meet in person. And so I would just ask that you would pray for them. They, they've suffered a substantial financial loss from not being able to have, I think, at least two or three going on four shows at the proper time and in the proper format. So they're trying to do their best, um, but I would encourage you to pray for them. And if you feel so led and are able to do so, I would encourage you to give them a donation. The next thing I want to talk about in regards to the pandemic is just the situation with the fact that there's so many unknowns. Um, Like I was thinking this morning, how are we going to know that masks are working if we don't even know if we can trust the numbers? It seems like every day we're hearing a story about how the numbers are inflated. Um, Certain states have been, uh, have admitted to inflating numbers or, or miscalculating them. I don't think they've admitted to inflating them. I think they've just admitted to miscalculating them. And so it's really hard to get a beat on what is actually happening with the COVID-19 virus situation. And so I think that's part of what the biggest frustration is, is we don't have really good benchmarks for how we're going to move on to the next level. And now, as I've alluded to in previous podcasts, we struggle as educators to know exactly how to move forward and proceed. So that would be my second prayer request: is just that you would pray for us as educators as we move forward and hopefully are in school this fall. That that is my biggest hope, because it will help. It will help me because I will have somewhere to go and something to motivate me to get up every day, and it will help the students um, because they can come back to the safe confines of the Potter's House um, elementary through high school and know that they have people that care about them who want to invest in their lives every day. And so it would really be a win-win if we can uh, meet and assemble. So my prayer is that that will happen. The final thing I want to talk about in this What's Going On segment today is I saw a post by a, a friend, and I'm not going to use his name, But this friend uh, posed the question, uh, do we believe that you can be a Democrat and be a Christian? Now, I know on face value a lot of us would say no, and that would be the tendency um, to go no further than that. Um, But I don't think we can read people's hearts. So I think the bottom line for someone being a Christian is have you been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ? If the answer is yes, then you are my brother or sister in Christ. But I think um, perhaps we're asking the wrong question Um, because for me, I think it comes down to the fact that I'm an issues voter. We just had a primary election in Michigan. That's why I think this is relevant to talk about. And we're heading towards a presidential election in November. I'm an issues voter But if you lined up all my issues on top of each other, most of them would line up with the Republican uh, platform because I'm pro-life, I'm pro-God's definition of the nuclear family, and I'm pro-Second Amendment, and I realize that the Second Amendment has nothing to do with hunting. Now, I don't want to get into any of these issues, individually, but I'll just say this. People have asked me, or people not necessarily asked me directly, but have implied, uh, why can't you vote for a Democrat? Why is it so important for you to be a Republican? But these three issues that I just mentioned, those are the important things. So theoretically, if I could find a Democrat that agreed with me on all three of those things, the sanctity of human life, the sanctity of the human family, and second amendment rights. And I guess for a fourth, I'd throw in limited government. If I could find a a Democrat that actually espoused those beliefs, I might actually vote Democrat, but the likelihood of finding someone who is Democrat, who believes with me on all those other things is very difficult in this day and age or ever. I don't know. I don't know how the Democrat platform has evolved. Um, So Basically, the issues are what I vote for, but if you look at the issues and you stack them up, most of the time I'm going to align with the Republicans. That does not mean um, that I am a Republican because I'm a Christian first, and my duty, I believe, is to vote for people that believe in moral absolutes that are lined up with the Bible. Now, we could say a lot more about this but I think that's really where the difference comes down is how do you feel on key issues? And I feel like for a lot of people, they're just like, well, I don't like the other guy, so I'm going to vote for this guy. And so I, I I want to encourage you as we head toward November that you get away from that way of thinking and instead say, uh, who is the best candidate to carry forth a godly agenda? Now, For those who say, well, you can't legislate a theocracy and we shouldn't try to push God on others because of government, let me just say this. The Bible says that when the righteous rule, people rejoice. And so we have the opportunity with our democratic republic of government to put righteous in places of ruling. And so we should be able to do that unashamedly. The other thing is, I realize that the world is waxing worse and worse. The Bible told us that that would happen. I believe that's why my ministry is so important, to continue to speak for him in time of darkness. But as darkness comes, it means that the light needs to shine even brighter. So I don't think it's an excuse for us to run and hide. I don't think it's an excuse for us to not be active. But rather, an excuse for us to... Talk about these issues, to articulate these issues in the public square, and then to challenge people um, with issues instead of debates. It can be very easy to degenerate gen- into something angry and to say, I'm right and you're wrong. But we need to examine um, each other's nuances. And I, like, for instance, I will never agree with someone uh, who believes that abortion is right. But if I understand why they believe abortion is right, I can speak to those concerns rather than just saying, oh, you're wrong. Because the minute I just simply say you're wrong, I've cut off conversation. I've cut off any more depth of of nuance in our relationship and I've told them that I'm not interested in what they have to say. If I instead invest the time to find out why they believe what they believe, I may never agree with them, but at least I'll understand where they are coming from. So I just wanted to put those few things out there. I hope you're doing well. And for me this week, that is what's going on. All right, well, moving right into our main section of the podcast. We are, as I said, continuing our series on the I Am Statements of Christ. Remember, we did two episodes overviewing the I Am Statements that we would be covering. And so today we are going to cover the first one on that list, which is I Am the Bread of Life. And I want to start out this conversation with our quote of Christ. The day, so here we go. Our quote of the day comes from Mr. Max Lucado. Uh, If you've never heard of him, I would encourage you to check him out. Max Lucado does a number; has a number of books, um, and they're devotional in nature. They're very easy reads, but they cover very deep theological truth and. I really encourage you to check out Max. He's very calming, especially in times of anxiety. I got a chance to um watch a good Friday service, I think it was, that he did in collaboration with some other people, and he was just it was very helpful to me as we were navigating the early days of this pandemic. Alright, so the quote actually is the following. Max Lucado says, Bread of Life. Jesus lived up to that title. But an unopened loaf of bread does a person no good. Have you received the bread? Have you received God's forgiveness? And this is a really key truth that we need to latch on to as we begin this podcast and this series in more earnest detail. Because if you do not know the bread of life, if you do not know Jesus personally, these names of God, these things that he is to us, will mean nothing to you. So you can have, uh, as his example says, you can have this delicious loaf of bread on your oven cooling on your oven cooling rack or still in your oven cooking and you pull it out and you can smell it and it smells delicious. But if you never uh, take a bite of that loaf, if you never experience the taste of that loaf, you are missing out and you won't get the full nourishment that that loaf has to offer. And so I think that's what we're talking about here today is the issue of we need to experience God. We need to know him. Uh, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give unto them eternal life. The key to eternal life is knowing God. And so as we get into this topic of the bread of life, uh, please know, And and really this is the case for all of the the I am statements that we're going to be covering, please know that the only way to truly experience benefit from what we're about to discuss is to know the one of whom it is talking. Because there's a lot of people that know of Jesus as an academic exercise. Um, Don Lemon on CNN knows that Jesus exists. But Don Lemon believes that Jesus was imperfect because he doesn't spend time reading his Bible and he hasn't been convicted by the Holy Spirit of God. And so we need to make sure that, as Paul said, we are studying to show ourselves approved workmen that need not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And so that's what we're going to attempt to do today. I encourage you to share this information and this podcast with your family and friends. And please send any feedback, questions, comments at the end of the show. I really would appreciate it. So as we dig in here, let's take a look at a couple points that I want to cover. I thought that this would be a good springboard. Uh, a good way to break this down would be to talk about things that Jesus said or did that pertain to life. And so the first one is, Jesus breathed into us the breath of life. And it says, And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. That's Genesis two seven. So we have in this first passage a situation where God has just spent the week uh, creating the whole earth and everything that he created, it says he spoke it and it was so. He spoke it and then the evening and the morning were such and such a day. And so he's getting towards the end of his creation And he says in Genesis chapter 1, let us make man in our image and after our likeness, alluding to the Trinity there, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he does something different, though. He doesn't just speak and have man come to be. No, he he forms us. He forms mankind out of the dust of the ground, and breathes into their nostrils the breath of life. Do you ever stop to just consider that, that the God of the universe breathed into the nostrils of mankind and created human life? And I believe that's what God does every time he forms a baby in his mother's womb. This is why it's so important for us as Christians, I believe, to espouse that life begins at conception because when that egg becomes fertilized, the human life has begun. And if we would think about the fact that human beings are made in the very image of God, then our our opinion on this pro-life issue would crystallize. I know people who claim to be Christians who are pro-abortion. But do you realize that in order to be pro-abortion and be a Christian, you have to deny that that baby is made in the image of God, which the Bible clearly says that it is. And then just as a further to give us further context of how this fits in with Jesus, we know that Jesus is an eternal being. He chose to come to earth and take on a human body, but he existed before he was that baby in the womb. And Proverbs 30 verse 4 tells part of that story. It says, Who hath ascended up into heaven, or descended? Who has gathered the wind in his fist, Who hath bound the waters in a garment? Who hath established all the ends of the earth? What is his name and what is his son's name, if thou canst tell? And that's Proverbs 30, verse 4. So again, we have a situation where the God of the universe, the one who created it all, John chapter 1 says it this way, he may, with him everything was made that was made. Without him, nothing was made that was made. And that very God came to earth and said, "I am the bread of life." How amazing is that. Okay, He wants us to have an abundant life. The thief comes not, the thief cometh not before to steal, to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. I really like this passage of scripture, and one of the reasons I like it so much is because I don't think he's just talking about a future time when we get to heaven. He's saying, I want you to have an abundant life now. Now, one of the keys to this is we need to make sure that we define abundance the right way. Because having an abundant life does not mean that if I trust God to give me an abundant life, that he will put $2 million in my bank account, that there will be a a new um, handicapped accessible minivan in my driveway every year, uh, that I will have 365 speaking days a year. That's not what it's saying. What it is saying is that God will align our will with his in such a way that he will give us what he knows we need for abundance. I've used this analogy before, but the reality is that when we're kids, we don't know what we need. Our parents know what we need and we rely upon them to give us the best thing we need. And sometimes as a kid, we think, hey, I need this right now. Like, I really need this. And usually as a kid, it's something like the latest technological gadget or um, the latest McDonald's toy or a, an ice cream cone right this very minute before I eat my broccoli. Those are the type of things that kids want. And if we're honest... That's the way we as adults respond to God a lot of times. And so we need to make sure that we realize that when we're talking about an abundant life, it's what Jesus knows that we need. And a lot of times he'll throw in the things that we want as well. I'm not downplaying wants. I have wants and I've seen God provide for them in amazing ways. This podcast is one of the ways that he did that. I have wanted to be a broadcaster all my life. And now I have the opportunity, uh, thanks to this technology I recently found, especially to bring you professionally level, professional level broadcasting from my home. And that's such an exciting thing, and it's so neat to see how God provided for that. But if I just said, I'm going to go ahead of you, God, I'm going to try to do this on my own, I would have fizzled out a long time ago. But God is good, and he gives us what we need when we need it. And of course, that abundant life will continue eternally because heaven uh, is another aspect of that abundant life. Went to a memorial service just this past Sunday for a friend. And as as, as sad as it is for her family and for us, who have, who have lost her temporarily, we know that she is rejoicing in glory right now. All right, the next one is, he gives us direction now and hope for the future. This is an interesting verse that I have to share with you right now because there's at least three people that I know that this is their life verse. Two of them are married. Um... I always ask people when I have them in for an interview, or I try to ask people when I have them in for an interview, what's your life verse, or at least a verse that is speaking to you in a big way? And sometimes people will say, well, I don't really have one, it changes, but often they do, often they have a life verse. Um, mine is Philippians one twenty and 21, and uh, that is, according to my earnest expectation, And my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that so now, as always, Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So that is my life verse. That is the verses that I think I would like to have on my gravestone when the time comes. If I have a verse on there, that's what I would like to have on there, because I was at a banquet with Dave Durebecki, a former major league player who lost his arm to cancer, and he wrote that in one of my books, and when I turned to it, it was exactly what I needed at that time of life, and I go back to it over and over again, and incidentally, it was that life verse that inspired me to continually read and preach out of the book of Philippians, it's a favorite book of mine, going forward. So it's very neat how God provides for those things. But this verse is Psalm 1611. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. So this is basically God, when he redeems our life, when he shows us the right way to live. He shows us the path. He doesn't just leave us. He doesn't just say, okay, now you're redeemed. Now try to live for me. He walks with us. He gives us direction. The Bible says in another passage, I will guide thee with mine eye. In Jeremiah, it says, I have loved you with an everlasting love and underneath are the everlasting arms. These are the things that we can claim as believers, as promises. And then, so, so the direction is, he shows us the path of life. The hope for the future is, at thy right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. You know, all the things that we experience on this earth, they're temporal. All the successes we have, they're fleeting. Next time you watch a sporting event, and I know that those are fewer and farther between right now, but next time you watch a major sporting event, like, say, the College Football Championship or the Super Bowl, watch what happens. The confetti drops. Um, they ask a question. Usually it's, what are you going to do next? and How did it feel to win? And then within a couple days... They will be asked on major radio shows or other media outlets, can you repeat? Can you do it again? Because nobody cares what you did last week. Most of us, unless we're totally obsessed with the Super Bowl or other sports trivia, don't know who won it five years ago. Because it doesn't matter. All that matters is the now. But the things that God Has to give us the rewards that he has for us are eternal. And Paul said, Neither has it, eye has not seen, nor has ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man what the Lord has prepared for those who love him. And I think perhaps he was referring to the time when I believe he was stoned to death, went to heaven, and God sent him back. He, he couldn't confirm that that's what happened. He said, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. And he also said that the things were too wonderful for him to talk about. But he said, I has not seen, nor has ear heard, nor has entered in the heart of man, what God has prepared for them that love him. So we can be assured that if we are following God, he will give us an abundant life and giving us, giving us direction for now and hope for the future is a very important part of that. If we know him, we will have eternal life. John 17.3 says, And this is life eternal that they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. And it says that you uh, obtain everlasting life by believing on him. That means it doesn't just start when you die, it starts now. I'm experiencing everlasting life now. Not in the way that I will then, but I'm still experiencing it now. And that is an exciting prospect. Very exciting prospect. And then, finally, it is a gift of God. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 6.23 I'm not sure exactly what the devil was thinking, but I wonder if he thought when he tricked the when he tricked the Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden if he was going to cause um, God to wipe them out immediately and go back to the drawing board. Uh, He definitely thought that he won a victory, and he did, I guess, win a temporal victory, but it didn't stick. Because God had a plan of redemption all the way back in Genesis chapter 3. Um, and it, it, said, it talks about how you, Satan, will bruise his heel, but he will crush your head. And actually, if you watch the Passion of the Christ, that's actually one of the things I really like about it. Is There's actually a serpent in the garden, and Jesus actually crushes its head and there's some symbolism there but i just i just really like that it's a powerful reminder of what jesus would then do at the end of the film on calvary and what he did more importantly in real life so that is just that was just an exciting reality and so as we wrap up i want to remind us of the original passage uh, from where we hear about uh, Jesus as the bread of life. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. That's John six thirty five, And I just love the fact that God always speaks, that Jesus always speaks with a definitive article. He doesn't say may never thirst, he doesn't say may never hunger, he says will. And so, if you have a void that you've tried to fill with money, with friendships, with relationships, and it hasn't been filled, may I implore you to fill it with Jesus? To use a simple analogy, the donut man once said, life without Jesus is like a donut. There's a hole in the middle of your heart. And I know that's simplistic. But if you're trying to fill it with all the world's goods, all the world's uh, definitions of success, may I encourage you to fill it with Jesus. Because Jesus will satisfy. Jesus will always keep his promises. We've all had people in our lives that don't keep their promises, We all know people that we don't ask for things because we don't expect them to come through. But Jesus always does. He said to his disciples, I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be tried. I'm going to be convicted. I'm going to die on the cross. But I'm going to rise again the third day. And he did it. The Bible tells us that he was seen by over five hundred witnesses at once. So, because he did what he said he would do, then, then we can believe that he is coming again. The Bible says in First Thessalonians chapter four, if we believe in Jesus Christ that he is coming again, we can believe that he, that the dead in Christ will rise first, and then we, we which are alive and remain will be caught up together in the clouds, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And the key, ver, the key phrase to me in that passage of Scripture is, wherefore comfort one another with these words. You know, we go through a lot of trials, we go through a lot of difficulty, but God promises to always be there with us. And he wants us to have comfort. He said in John chapter 16, In the world you will have tribulation. Again, he doesn't say may. He says you will. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I hope that you are encouraged today. I hope that you are determined to walk worthy of the, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And above all, I hope you have a great weekend and keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gamson, founder of Speaking for Him. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four